0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our brand new podcast. Cinematic um, so, for Pulse our
1: podcast,
0: Cinematic Pulse Podcast, baby. Uh, and for our very first episode, um, we are going to delve into a production that um, I'm going to hopefully assume a lot of you have seen, uh, but that is Matt Reeves' two hour and 56 minute monster of a film, The Batman. Um, So, we are going to talk about the unexpected casting choices, the legendary composer that is Michael Giacchino, and um, the visual and writing choices on the whole. Um, So, in fact, uh, this movie was such an undertaking that there is no way we could cram it all into one episode. So, if we can't, we're going to get two-parter for the Batman. Because it should have been a two-part film. Because it should have been a (laughs) two-part film. Like, let's be honest. Batman part one and two. (laughs) Uh, So... That being said, I am your host, Audrey.
1: And I am also your host, Sheree.
0: So sit back, relax, and please do not silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. okay so let's uh let's dive into it so audrey
1: i want to ask you before we get really into our discussion Mm -hmm. obviously there were thoughts we both had before the film came out and after the film came out so i wanted to ask you what were your initial thoughts before the film came out after you saw the trailer
0: okay love this um so i think i (sighs) when i saw the trailer i think i think my husband had already seen it because he's he's very much a batman fan Um, I think I stumbled across it on Instagram, and I distinctly remember, like, lying in bed, scrolling across the trailer on Instagram, and, like, watching it, because it, like, it looked interesting, the cast was interesting, you've got Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson, and I was like, huh, Robert Pattinson as Batman, Mm, don't know about that choice.
1: Like, I say, I was like, Robert Pattinson, good (laughs) actor, don't get me wrong, kind of does a lot of more niche films, but if you think about it, I feel like this movie is more Mm -hmm. of, like, a niche film. So makes sense right. in the long run,
0: right? So to answer your initial question, uh, I was very skeptical going in. I do I knew nothing about it. I did not know that it was a niche film. We had just gotten off of Ben Affleck as Batman, right? And I thought that this was going to be something still in the DC universe. That's what I thought. And so too. I thought we were getting some kind of prequel film, like of Ben Affleck's Batman. And Robert Pattinson was supposed to play, like, a young Ben Affleck Batman, Mm -hmm. and I was very bewildered. I was like, how does this make any sense at all? We just had Batman movies. Why are we getting another Batman movie? But Wes was super hyped to go see it, and so I was like, well, I guess I'll go and try not to make fun of it the whole time and be a mildly supportive person. (laughs) Right.
1: And, like, I didn't know what to expect because... Again, I'm more of a Marvel person, but my brother loves DC. So I kind of asked him, I was like, what do you think this is going to be? And he's like, I guess we'll see. But I think mm-hmm. for me, I really wanted to see it because it looked darker. And I love Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright. So as soon as I was Jeffrey Wright, I was like, yes, I want to see this mm-hmm. film. But also, all the casting choices were just so, so interesting. But I know we're going to get into that. But yes, yes, our initial thoughts were skepticism. But
0: yes, also, as
1: DC film goes, I'm like, man... I bet this movie's gonna be long like all the other DC films and that I feel like sometimes is a pro yes. or a con depending on like the storytelling. But you know, this it worked. It worked for this film.
0: I know. I'm so skeptical when it comes to D C movies because it is so, they have more often misses. They're hit than or they misses. They
1: literally are hit or miss. There's not often I one mean, that's kinda like sits in the middle. I think Aquaman was no. one that kinda sat in the middle where it's like I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable film. I really liked it. But you I was know, like, could it have been a little more? Yes. But was it all right? I've never yes. seen
0: it. My my only understanding of the film Aquaman was watching it silently from my neighbor on a flight. So, <laughs> uh, so I have next to no idea what happens in that movie, uh, but the special effects were cool. They were. So. They have no bearing on
1: this discussion, but Aquaman. They don't.
0: But yes, as far as DC movies go, I was highly skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's that's to your question and what was my opinion going in um firm skepticism is is my final answer. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, I mean yeah, I mean again, Casting Choices made me very curious and I'm mm-hmm. glad I finally watched like, I do the love first Zoe time Krabbits. I watched mm-hmm.
0: yeah, ugh, who doesn't.
1: First time I who watched doesn't? it was with my <laughs> DC loving brother and he was like loved my reactions to the film so i'm like yes good it's it's a great oh you
0: went to see it with your brother no
1: no 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 it had already been it had already been i think released on hbo max i think it was um my birthday last year the first time i watched it
0: oh so you watched it at home but you Mm -hmm. did watch it with a big dc fan oh yes oh yes gotcha okay so um let's go ahead and kind of just jump into it. I do have a... T- <laughs> so on the heels of our, our skepticism and going, mm, Robert Pattinson as Batman kind of feel, um, I did want to talk about my initial reaction. I spent, and I feel so bad for my husband because I spent like the first solid 15 to 20 minutes of this movie making bad Twilight references in his ear.
1: (laughs) Hey, at least everything wasn't blue.
0: No, everything was not blue. I was very happy for that. There was a lot of Washington rain, though, which I was happy for. (laughs) Uh, But, oh my gosh, I was unstoppable the whole time. (laughs) I was just making bad Twilight references. Was there any...
1: Give me one of them, if you can remember.
0: Okay, hold on. Let me look through my my stuff here, because I know that I did make a joke about these. Hold on. Give me one second. Pause for notes searching. We will be waiting. Ah, okay. All right. So, okay. So you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) So, so the movie, movie opens. um, And then later we get young Bruce's initial monologue about, you know, him fighting for justice and trying to, Um, help eliminate crime in the city, and why the criminals fear him, and all of that stuff, and then, um, and then we get to the subway scene when he gets into the fight and absolutely pulverizes all these gangsters. Mm. Mm. So I promptly lean over. I promptly excellent scene. However, my initial reaction was to lean over and whisper in my husband's ear. Ah, so we're seeing Edward's bad years where he hunted criminals.
1: <laughs> it oh my god though cuz like imagine it, imagine it.
0: I I mean like but it it fits though and I'm it sitting fits there, the like, build okay, too I,
1: because he's at night. He can't come out in the sunlight. And
0: right? I'm out. like I he I would be attracted to this version of Edward. Like I I would still <laughs> buy this part of the story. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I'm looking at my notes here. Wow, I was just brutal. I was brutal. I forgot how brutal I was to my husband. He had to shush me eventually because I was making comments about Edward having a motorcycle like Batman and him saving people from car crashes.
1: And then he went to Forks, Washington. Boo.
0: I know. And I ultimately, I told my husband, I was like, I mean, I can make all the jokes I want, but I would still watch this version of Twilight.
1: Who wouldn't? Like, if I was watching that (laughs) version of Twilight, oh my gosh. Which reminds me, I <laughs> Out There Somewhere is one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time where someone put the trailer sound for, I think, the Dark Knight over Twilight trailer. It's great. <gasps> I will find oh. it and I will send it to you, but it is My Brother and I is one of our favorite YouTube videos of all time.
0: Oh, I love when people do that. I did see, I mean, this is years and years and years ago, but I did see one of those where, like, somebody put, like, horror or, like, thriller music over the trailer for Frozen. And it just... <laughs> Man, music does its own thing because it very much changes the tone of that movie. And
1: that's something we're going to talk about, too, in this film, aren't we, Yes, we are.
0: Yes, we are. We are going to talk about music, also. Um, But, okay, so all all Twilight jokes aside, um, this movie, honestly, was what redeemed Robert Pattinson as an actor for me. Really? Um,
1: I always thought he was a great yes. actor. Just put in interesting roles that no one watched, unfortunately. So,
0: that okay, yeah, but that's that's the thing, the the no one watched. Because after Twilight, because, I mean, I was a major Twilight fan. I loved, 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 okay, I say this. I was a major Twilight book fan. Mm-hmm. I loved the books. I was an absolute diehard Twilight fan, knew all of the facts there were to know about the books. Um, I've been to the actual town of Forks. And he and lived in Washington. <sighs> I did. I lived in Washington. I had to go to Forks at some point. So, after seeing him just, I mean, to me, this is nothing about him as an an actor necessarily. This is all more about casting and casting appropriateness. But after seeing him just butcher the book version of Edward as in the movies, I just I couldn't. And And I I never wanted to watch anything with him in it ever again.
1: We have to argue, though, in his defense, we don't know what the direction was for his character you know, as, as... coming from a director's viewpoint or a writing standpoint you know because it can it can definitely change and he can sure definitely, oh it absolutely could
0: been... i know a little bit about some of the direction i know that they definitely cast the i know they cast him before they cast Kristen um for twilight um i know that they did cast them together based on their real life chemistry which from a, a directing standpoint is not usually a good idea um because real life chemistry doesn't really translate to film well Um, as we saw, um, in my personal opinion, in In my personal opinion, um, But I also know that he had a very different... You know, when you read a book, everybody kind of gets a different feel for the characters. You know, your understanding of the book is uniquely your own and and the mood and tone that you gleaned from it when you read it. Um, And he did read Twilight, but he gained a very different understanding of the character that was Edward. Um, I do know that in his... I mean, not that we're talking about this movie yet, but, I mean, he... um, we can cut all this if we need to. <laughs> uh yeah, that's fine. The, the directors um, wanted him to smile more in his portrayal of Edward and and you know, they highlighted all of these chunks in the book where like Edward smiled, Edward smirked, to Edward grinned or whatever mm-hmm. and then he turned around and handed the book right back to them with all of the times that Edward's brow was furrowed, Edward frowned, Edward grimaced, or, you know, all of the darker expressions. He turned around and handed it right back to them and said, this is how I'm portraying him. So he did his homework. He right. did. But it to me, it didn't play to the version of Edward that I had found true. And it just kind of ruined him as an actor for me. So that being said, he did ruined go off into a i say wait say what
1: ruined him as a character or ruin, ruined the character for you, or, you ru- or really did ruin him as an actor for you
0: no ruined him as an actor for me and I've, i have a couple of actors like that where i just saw them in something and i can't ever unsee them as that character and it's just hard for me to watch them in anything else because that initial portrayal just rubbed me the wrong way
1: okay
0: yeah so and and then you're right he did go on to be in a lot of like more b-rated films things or more like artsy films that were more festival kind of stuff and not really um big blockbuster movies which i don't most part blame after him that. for it,
1: because i i get no it. i don't I blame think him for either i think that's that's his thing is more like niche art films and i like that i think mm-hmm. that's his that's his thing and i think it certainly has worked for him over the years even if it's not like a blockbuster film this one just happened to be a blockbuster film
0: this one did just happen to be a blockbuster film, though it did not actually have the feel initially or, mm-hmm. I think, the intent of a blockbuster mm-hmm. film. But that's why I never really cared to see him in anything else, partially because I just didn't really care for him as an actor after that. And because all of the stuff that he was in after that was not really anything that I would have wanted to watch anyway because I think I was, like, 15 when the what first Twilight movie came out. And then he went and did, you know, more artsy highbrow films. After that, I wasn't was watching Was it those Water for Elephants?
1: One of them. That was a book too.
0: That was a book too. Yeah, never watched that one. I mean, I heard it was good. I but heard it was yeah, good never too. Never watched that one. There was also so, one where he
1: did. There was like like nine eleven. I did see that one. Or the twist at the end was that it, the ending happened on nine eleven. You're like, well,
0: dang. Oh. <laughs> nope. Never even heard of that one. So I couldn't yeah, even tell you um, the
1: title of it anymore, though. That's that's kind of bad.
0: I, I did make a note here, you know, in talking about, you know, redemption of actors and actresses and stuff, oddly enough, um, his performance in this um, actually reminded me of how much I liked Kristen Stewart's performance in Snow White and the Huntsman, mm-hmm. um, because that was that was her redeeming role for me. I realized, like, oh, no, she she is a good actress, because my opinion of her after Twilight was that she was not a good actress. But, again... It really boils down to overall production value right. and and all of the other decisions that go into making a movie as to whether or not it people's performances can come off good or bad. Sometimes the person was just not cast in the right role.
1: Right. Um,
0: I think that's and so 100% when I saw her...
1: the problem, like I feel for both Bella and Edward and Twilight, we're talking about Twilight I, a lot. I completely agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there were both I mean...
1: amazing actors who just weren't right for the. Roles per yes, se. Yes, I think exactly. a lot of everybody yeah. else got cast pretty well in that in the. In yes,
0: films. I completely agree with that statement, and we will talk about Twilight till we're blue in the face when we eventually do a Twilight episode. So, <laughs> all of you listening, I can promise you with my whole heart, we will do a Twilight episode. Speaking we will probably do yourself, several Twilight no, episodes.
1: Twilight
0: would. Be fun. <laughs> Man, like, don't lie. Uh, I'm fine, fine. So, um, uh, but. As far as, you know, redeeming performances go, this really reminded me of the performance um, that redeemed Kristen Stewart for me as well, um, where and a lot of it was done in in presence of acting and in tone and her action. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Robert Pattinson in this movie. He's kind of stoic most of the time. Yeah. He does not do a lot of talking other than... It's quiet. You know, he's a very quiet character. A lot of the dialogue... Not dialogue, but a lot of the... um vocals quote-unquote come from his monologues his mm-hmm. his over monologues that he does and um Which we hear the a lot rest of it is really done in presence and and it was this movie was about mood and tone and using the entire movie and the lighting and the cast to set an overall tone for the movie right. and it really just allowed Robert Pattinson's very nuanced acting style to absolutely shine it gave it the exact right stage for it and I was incredibly impressed going into it as somebody who didn't like him as an actor then seeing him in this movie I was like okay hold up I take back everything I've ever said about Robert Pattinson as an actor this was it totally redeemed him for me
1: yep it just needed the right actor in the right role like again niche film Mm -hmm. so it suited him perfectly yes
0: yes which so funny to do a, a a film that you would say is a quote unquote niche film because I agree with you mm-hmm. but to take an an icon uh that is the Batman and make it into what is essentially a niche film is just so contradictory and I loved it mm-hmm. it it played so well mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, since we're kind of on casting, I definitely think we should keep talking about that, so, um, I want your opinion on Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon.
1: I feel like, in all the Batman films, like, uh, it's just, he's just so good. I feel like you can't go he's, wrong he's with Jeff. He's just Jeffrey. so good. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Jeffrey Wright. He always has, like, a very strong presence in his films, and I remember... I'd seen him in a bunch of things all over the place, but I remember especially his presence in *Hunger Games*, *Catching Fire*. Mm-hmm. There was something mm-hmm. about his presence in that film that I was just like, I liked it. But I, it is like he's so different in so many things. But his presence in this film, like, you find a man who I feel like he shows confidence, but also, hmm, what's the right word I want to use?
0: It's like this. I mean, if, to to bounce off of that, because I agree with you, he, he, it's not that he plays the same character in every role that he's in, but I feel like he does bring the same presence. He always brings a strong character. presence.
1: And I, it's just, I, I feel that's why I like him so much, because I feel like he's, if you listen to him just talk about things, like I was listening to him talk about, I think he was talking about What If, the Marvel show What If, and uh-huh. he he just, he kind of Is he in salt. that? He is. Ugh, oh, Audrey. mm love that one. I know
0: I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list. So who does he play in What If?
1: He plays um hold on. He
0: plays the I just had the this watcher. moment of realization. The Watcher. He plays a wa- Oh, he plays a Watcher?
1: Yes. He plays the Interesting.
0: Watcher. Interesting. Oh, the, wa- uh, the Watcher. Oh, okay. Like from Wait, nope. That's never mind. I was going to ask a dumb Not question. Not the No, no, no. Different Nope. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) So we were talking about just Jeffrey Wright as a character. I asked you, uh, we were talking about Jeffrey Wright's presence. Um, I feel like he brings this calm, collected, but also intense intelligence Mm -hmm. to each role that he plays. That's kind of how I would describe it. Um, And I feel like that is applicable to... So the main things that I've seen him in would be what you said, Hunger Games Catching Fire. Um, and then I saw him, I think next I really saw him that I can remember is in Westworld. Yes, um, oh my gosh, sorry, I got really excited. <laughs> yes, is great. and and we can do Westworld episodes if we want to. The um, first episode of but,
1: Westworld? uh oh, man, we gotta stop, we gotta oh. stay on task.
0: <laughs> I mean, how dare we talk about other productions <laughs> on an <laughs> entertainment production podcast. Um, but he... He played I feel like had a very similar presence in Westworld also that that calm collected intense intelligence. Right. He it wasn't the same character by any means but he brought the same presence to it that played very well for the character. Right. Um and <clears throat> for this iteration of Jim Gordon cuz every every director does something a little bit different with the character of Jim Gordon mm-hmm. and and this was, and I researched, I double-checked, this was the first time we have ever actually had a black Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like it played excellently. Right. It, oh my gosh, like the, the I, there could not have been another person to put in this role. Because, again, bringing that, he's just simply the best actor who just happened to also be black. And I'm right. just like. You were the best actor for the role. Like I, I don't even. There's no question about it because he brought that calm, collected intelligence and that intensity to that character. And his whole, I want to use the word vibe. Right. (laughs) That is the word vibe, vibe. That is the word. I mean, like his whole vibe as an actor so perfectly matched the tone that Matt Reeves was trying to achieve in the movie that you couldn't have cast anybody else for it.
1: There's something about. I don't. I feel like this is a interesting way to compare him but for some reason like his presence on screen especially his voice to me is akin to morgan freeman at times because he's just he's just, mm-hmm. he's the, like he sounds like him always just like morgan freeman yes he distinctly sounds a certain way but jeffrey right does he does, he does like,
0: distinctly sound like him mm-hmm. i feel
1: like there are a few actors who bring in this this strong presence in all their films like him i just there aren't that many people and I feel like Jeffrey Wright is still underappreciated. He's so good. I feel like he's underappreciated. Someday,
0: someday, Someday. someone will appreciate him just as much as we have. It's me. I love you, Jeffrey Wright. If
1: you ever hear this, you're the man.
0: Someday, when when you're making your own movies, we will cast Jeffrey Wright in something.
1: (laughs) I will cast him in everything. He will. I will cast him in everything.
0: (laughs) He will be as Tim Burton and and Johnny Depp. That will be you two for forever Mm -hmm. Forever with Michael Giacchino scoring the movie.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes. But another, I want to ask you this, because I know we've okay. talked about this. Alfred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andy Serkis' Alfred. That oh. is something I 1,000% never, ever would have thought or even would have cast. But then again, what did we say? They have never, ever casted Alfred incorrectly. He's always Correct. played really well.
0: And in, in no matter I who wish. they cast. No, you are, you are absolutely correct. Every time they have cast Alfred and anything that I have seen, it's been spot on. And a lot of the times, unexpected. Right. Like, um, what is it, Jeremy Irons in yep. the Ben Affleck Batman? Jer- yep. I would never have cast Jeremy Irons. <laughs>
1: right. He will always be I would, be and for like, me.
0: never. Like, oh, that's Alfred. No. I just perpetually see him as one of the bad guys from Die Hard and Scar. <laughs> like, Scar. <laughs> He's a villain, okay? He's a villain. He is not he is not the helpful father figure mm-hmm. who's always there with all the answers and support like I would never have guessed Jeremy Irons in a million years, but right. here here we are. So, I wish like I wish everyone listening could see my notes because I literally just have Andy Circus with with dots after every single letter because and that's all. That's my notes. It's just Andy Circus.
1: Andy Circus, <laughs> okay, Af- I'm going to I'm going to segue into the Penguin as well, because Andy Serkis, I think a lot like Colin Farrell are actors that are chameleons and they can play any role,
0: any role. Mm. Yes. Okay. hold on. Before I jump into because I do, I have a note about Colin Farrell playing in this movie. Um, So (laughs) I've really not seen Andy Serkis in a lot of movies Um, to where
1: what century are you living in where Andy Serkis isn't in a film?
0: No, I mean, he's in, but, like, as far as, like, things that immediately come to mind, I, like, I'm I'm sorry, but the first thing that comes to mind for Andy Serkis is Gollum.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, that's iconic. <laughs> of course we think of Gollum.
0: Which, you, like, you're gonna have to break my arm to stop me from doing an episode about Don't the you... Lord of the Rings. It's on my list.
1: Listen, you're doing that one solo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll just do like when you're on vacation one week, like, Hi hey guys, I'm here solo and I'm gonna bore you to death for the next three hours talking about. I'm gonna about ju- the Lord I, you of the know, rings.
1: I'll do the podcast, I'll just be like, Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, great. Yeah, that
0: <laughs> I've seen just those. active films listening. Once. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. They mm-hmm. are so That's fine. long. But okay, so Andy Circus, first thing I think of is in fact Gollum. And so I'm watching the movie. I didn't I don't remember if I saw Andy Circus in the trailer. Um, for the movie or not? Uh, I know, I guess. But I, I was like,
1: Andy Serkis for real?
0: I mean, maybe, but the, and that was my exact reaction. If I did see him in the trailer, I would have been like, "Really, Andy Serkis?" Honestly, I if I did, I think his casting choice would have made me con- continue to doubt the movie even more. <laughs> hmm. Because I, it's it's an unexpected casting choice. Because I'm okay. So you got to think. I went into this highly skeptical. I'm looking at Robert Pattinson as Batman, going. And then I'm looking at Andy Serkis as Alfred, and I'm making an even louder (laughs) kind of (laughs) like, like, are we sure about this casting decision? Okay, uh, so that so that, and then I think like the the other biggest movie that I can think of Andy Serkis being in is um, Snoke in the Star Wars sequel movies. Mm Hey, he was also in
1: another big film called Black Panther.
0: Okay, that's true. He is in Black Panther. I forget Ulysses that he... Ulysses Claw. Um, I
1: loved him as Ulysses Claw. He brought so much energy to that character.
0: I forgot that he was in... But that's not what he immediately comes to because he's a side character but in those. What's funny
1: is, like, you thought of Gollum, but oddly, Planet of the Apes came up. That was one of the first ones I thought of was him in Planet of the Apes. He is... Oh! He is the... That, I, I, I cannot tell you the... I couldn't tell you the name of the the ape or the monkey or whatever he plays, but like he did all the motion capture, I believe, for that film. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure no, Caesar. now wait a wait a minute.
0: you mean you mean the um the james is James Franco right? James Franco like rise of Planet of the Apes
1: James Franco is he? Gary Oldman, yeah, Cary Russell, Andy Serkis, um, that's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But he, yeah, he was in all those.
0: Yeah, it is James Franco. Yeah, James Franco is like the main character in those movies. Is he? I did not know that Andy Serkis played the ape mm-hmm. in Rise of Planet. I did not know that he yeah. played. Yeah, Caesar. Caesar is the name of that the main the main monkey in that. Um, He's a monkey, isn't he? Or is he an is he an actual gorilla? Uh, you know what?
1: I don't know the phylum or the class or whatever he was. He's... Uh, Kingdom
0: phylum class, order, family, genus, species. <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> that was like, okay, that and the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell are the two things that my biology teacher drilled into my head. <laughs> the mitochondria. When will they come in handy? Yes, I do not know. Never. Um, I think he is technically just a monk, some kind of monkey, um, not a gorilla. But anyway, yes. I did not know that. So things that I learned today is that Andy Serkis did the motion capture for caesar yes. in rise of planet of the apes so okay so that's why i didn't think of him didn't even know it was him now you know actually it's interesting because um i had just been listening to no i take that back um so i went into seeing andy circus as alfred completely blind right um and I was wildly impressed. First of all, because I know his accent and I don't... He did not use his full-on regular accent for the movie. He um, he stylized it a little bit, made it from a different part of England. Um, so he, he full-on went into a different character mode for the movie. Later, I listened to... And this is why we're talking about these. There's actually an, an audiobook version of The Lord of the Rings that is read by Andy Serkis. And... Let me tell you.
1: Oh, I remember you telling me about that.
0: Yes. Let me tell you. Listening to Andy Serkis read The Lord of the Rings, because a a good audiobook reader, narrator, will, you know, do different voices for each of the different characters, and his voice acting, I had no idea. I had no idea, and I was sufficiently impressed. I mean, obviously he does, you know, the crazy affect that is Gollum, Mm -hmm. but he actually does his best to emulate the actors that we know and love from The Lord of the Rings on the audiobook. Another
1: actor who was underappreciated.
0: and that was just, and i my my mind is like exploding. And then so I actually I went back and watched the Batman again. And now I'm listening to Andy Serkis's voice after having listened to three consecutive novels read by him and his amazing voice. And I'm going, oh my gosh, he used one of his audiobook voices as the accent affect for his character of Alfred Pennyworth.
1: Ah.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard it. I can't tell you off the top of my head who it is. I think it might it might be either Merry or Pippin. Um, I, can't, I can't tell you who it is off the top of my head, but he used one of the accent affects from the, his audiobook reading of the Lord of the Rings books and just translated it onto the character, and I feel like it landed perfectly. It was, it was unexpected and it just, he did a, he did a fantastic job because also I really think he nailed the, the very new and budding relationship between the character of Alfred and Bruce Wayne. Right. At the time. Because, you know, this is Batman. I think I, I did the math. He's only been Batman for about two years at this point. Um, And his relationship with Alfred... In the, in the film, correct, 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 yes. In the film, the timeline of how long Bruce Wayne has been Batman is still very, very new. He's only been Batman and fighting crime for a couple of years, um, and so his his relationship with Alfred is also very new. He is not just automatically the the esteemed, reliable father figure. Um, their relationship is very tense in the movie. And and Andy Circus does a, a, especially a at the very beginning, job. yeah. Especially in the very beginning, I mean, I mean, Bruce Wayne is very much still just like an an angsty, like early twenties kind of kid, right. if if that. I think he's, I think he is supposed to be early twenties in the movie. Um, but yeah, he's very angsty, and and Andy Circus is trying to reach out to him and be his stability um in as as alfred and I, I don't know he just he he nailed the whole portrayal just perfectly mm-hmm. um yeah so i can't say enough about andy circus he was he was absolutely amazing and i i have now gained a new and robust appreciation for andy circus as an actor and just how much like if you see how much he cr- is capable of
1: if you see the credits for all his films he's done everything he's done everything
0: He's one of those behind-the-scenes guys that I, like, had no right. idea was involved in a movie until right. somebody told me, and I'm like, he was in what now? Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And, I mean, again, like, we talked about Chameleons, Colin Farrell.
0: <laughs> that's yes. another casting choice sp-
1: where I was like, I didn't know it was Colin Farrell until I saw the credits roll, and I was like, are you kidding me? Sorry for all the sound I'm effects. so glad
0: I wasn't the only one.
1: <laughs> I was like, there's no way that's
0: Colin Farrell. That is a lie. Okay. I feel fantastic now because I was watching, you know, with with my husband, and I leaned over because, you know, there was like a familiar quality about his portrayal of the penguin, and and I kind of lean over, and I'm I'm like, I'm leaning to my husband, and I'm like babe, who is that? And he looks at me and he goes, it's Colin Farrell. Like, treats me like I'm a moron. Like, (laughs) like, like, really? You can't tell that's Colin Farrell? And I'm sitting there There's no way you can tell Colin Farrell.
1: And that also goes out to the makeup department and costume because I was like, who?
0: Right?
1: That's something uh, you'll definitely be getting into is the makeup in a little bit. But yes, like Colin Farrell- I will, yes. uh, Again, someone who can play any role, any role. Any role. And you're like, that, like- and the way he changed his voice for the character is so impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I would not have known that was Colin Farrell unless somebody Mm-mm. told me. Like, Mm-mm. exactly the same situation. And I Colin Farrell is one of those actors that I feel like... I mean, not only just a chameleon... Um, oh, hold on. ADHD just slapped my brain. <gasps> Train of thought went out the window. Colin Farrell, I mean, he, he's amazing. But to me, I feel like he has one of those faces where... Like how do I put this? I feel like he works at Walmart. Like he has a face. <laughs> really, I would not say Colin God. Farrell has the face of a person who works at Walmart. I'm oh, how do I put? How do I put this? No, no, I like Colin Farrell just has one of those faces that like, like you look like you work here. Like what I mean is like he looks <laughs> like he looks professionally familiar, but like you can never quite place him. Okay. That's how I feel about Colin Farrell. Whenever I see him, my brain does not immediately recognize him as Colin Farrell. I have to think about it for a minute and go, is that Colin Farrell? In like every movie that the man is in.
1: (laughs) I I mean I can recognize his face. I feel like I've watched him in enough things where I'm like, Yeah, it's Colin Farrell. But not this film.
0: Nope, not this film. Not this film. Even like that, like I said, even if I didn't have trouble recognizing Colin Farrell in movies, I would be still lost recognizing him on my own in this movie. because not even recognize just that man in prosthetics. A and. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a face in
1: the crowd, Colin Farrell.
0: Ma'am, well done on the joke callback. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Uh, okay. So, yes. No, I. Yeah. Colin Farrell uh did not recognize him was absolutely phenomenal and um which moves us to our actual like has a face like he works there actor which is Paul Dano uh who the heck is Paul Dano wait
1: Wait. (laughs) are you saying he should work at Walmart Paul Dan tell me
0: Paul Dano doesn't have a face like he works at Walmart
1: (laughs) I am I'm not saying anything Paul Dano is fantastic he's fantastic he's absolutely fantastic but he His has a face looks like he is like he works at walmart at the cash register <laughs> Yeah, he's stalking at night where no one can see him
0: like like the character looks like he's gonna help me buy my next phone plan at at&t
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that just makes me think of captain america okay continue do you know what scene i'm talking about in winter soldier
0: no, please help. Oh, and, and Winter Soldier? Mm-hmm.
1: Were he and Natasha going um, to the store to hide? And oh, guy's were they like, going I've... to the Apple
0: store? Yes. <laughs>
1: That's, when you said that, it, it immediately made me think of that scene.
0: But, okay, so we're talking about Face, you know, we're talking about Face and Face like he works there. But, like, really, though, um, I, had, I don't think I'd ever seen Paul Dano in anything, or at least not that I could. He was really kind of a... Not a, not a nobody actor, but he was kind of a background actor in most of the stuff that he's been in. Or at I least he agree. was not he, in... I, I
1: never knew who he was until this film. I'm not going to lie.
0: No. He was not in anything super big name. So the here's the thing. Your percentage of people who are going to recognize Paul Dano as an actor is going to be very low going into this movie. Just objectively. And I think it was really important to cast a random face like Paul Dano for this. Um for this essentially serial killer character um so it it really drove home that feeling of well, okay before i say that um anybody who's ever like lived to see a serial killer get caught mm-hmm. ha- has experienced this feeling that i'm going to reference um and and for instance i will give you i'll give you the example of the golden state killer who was caught recently um and you know, they release this guy's mugshot, and you know everything that the Golden State killer has done, all of the horrible things that he has done, and you're imagining like essentially this monster. Right. And then they release this mugshot, and he looks like he's an old man. Like the he he's just an old man. Like he might be at, at church with butterscotch candies in his pocket. Like,
1: like he's ready to look, you know what? The joke was not gonna I mean, be appropriate, so I'm gonna stop it before it gets out of my just mouth.
0: Strike that? Okay, so, but, but you get, okay, so they release, you know, the Golden State Killer's mugshot, and you look at him, and, and I think the, your gut reaction is, like, that's it.
1: Mm-hmm, that's him. That was him. That's,
0: it. that's, that's the monster, and, and. And and you have the people have that whenever some kind of horrendous okay I say that this for the most part when someone who has done some horrendous things especially serial killers get caught somebody who has been anonymous for so many years and then you find them and you put a face to the the atro- to the atrocious acts that have been committed and you really are left with this very underwhelming sense of that's the guy right and and I think that. Casting Paul Dano for this character nailed that real-life sensation that people have experienced in the unmasking of serial killers is is you get to to meet the Riddler at the end of this movie, and you see him, and you go, that's it. Dude, so... And he, it's very underwhelming.
1: I love it. And when I... Like, ugh, let me expand upon that, because when I saw him... Because, like you said, you don't expect him. You don't expect that to be the killer. It's just some dude at Walmart, no. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is I remember. I don't
0: know, you could work at Walmart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember as a kid, I was obsessed with the show Inside the Actor's Studio. And I want to say it was an episode with Tom Hanks. He was on the show, and someone asked. He's like, there was a kid, this student, obviously, you know, an aspiring actor in the audience. And I believe he asked a question about, like, you know, I'm going to be typecast. I'm always going to be typecast some jolly guy because I have these big cheeks and blah, 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 blah. And Mm -hmm. I believe Tom Hanks said, yeah, but that... He more or less said, you could be cast subvertly. You know, you could be cast as the villain and no one's going to think it's you. It's going to be the greatest Mm -hmm. twist in in movie history. This jolly guy with big cheeks who looks friendly is the villain. Mm -hmm. And that's when I saw him on the movie, I immediately thought... Of that ending moment in that episode of Inside the Actor's Studio. Again, if I can find it, I'll try to link it. But I'm pretty sure it was Tom Hanks who basically said, don't not try out for something just because you don't think you're going to get it. Because you never know what they're looking for. And Mm -hmm. in this film, you didn't think you're going to look at this nerd who has, you know, dark web, Twitch, people following him. (laughs) He's <laughs> like a couple yeah. And it's like and he, and he look at the masses that followed this guy who looked like he didn't look like a villain, he looked like Billy Joe no. at Walmart stocking shelves at two AM. Mm-hmm. And we're not plugged by Walmart, it, but if Walmart wants to plug us and pay us some money, wink wink.
0: Right. Like, don't hire serial killers. Just, you know, plug All for Walmart. All my stuff and my cabinets
1: um, are great value.
0: Or equate. <laughs> because they are a great value. They are a great value. <laughs> Just like, just pause. It's just Looney Tunes back in action, and my brain is just going Walmart. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) but, but talking back to talking about the movie, um, it, it just, I think it, it it totally nailed that that sense of realism for this character, that mm-hmm. he wasn't just this you know, big, hulking, mysterious bad guy. Because here's the thing, the unmasking of the Riddler is not the end of the movie. No. No, it's not. And it's not the end of the movie. And I remember distinctly watching this and seeing Riddler unmasked and arrested, and I'm going... Well, that was anticlimactic, Right. and it's supposed the, to be the movie. It is, was is supposed to be anticlimactic. In so many ways. Oh, it does subversion. We love subversion. We love subversion. It's
1: why I love this film.
0: And I, I, joked with my husband that this doing it this way and unmasking the Riddler like this and casting the kind of actor like Paul Dano, who is, who is phenomenal, but who specifically looks the way that Paul Dano does for this hor- horrendous evil character. Um, it, it really firmly grounded as if it hadn't already, but it was just another, another nail in the coffin of this is not just another superhero movie, mm-hmm. which I don't think I've really said that up to this point, but like, let me make that clear. I thought going into this movie, this was just another superhero movie. <clears> third <throat> clearing, pause for sound. <clears throat> I thought going into this movie that this was just going to be another superhero movie. I was very incorrect. This is not just another superhero movie. Um, After seeing, especially, the reveal of Paul Dano's The Riddler, um, the best thing I could compare it to was this movie is Zodiac if Mm. Jake Gyllenhaal had worn a cape. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, but it is because. How funny is it? it, We'd have two other Marvel
1: actors in it, too.
0: I, yeah, I mean, like, it's inevitable at this point. The, the MCU is so huge. I We were watching something the other day, and we counted seven MCU actors in one movie.
1: It's like the Harry Potter and actors being in everything, too. It,
0: it really, honestly, it really is. The MCU is like the Harry Potter of, of Ameri- actor conglomerates at this point. America. <laughs> and, and And it really, I feel like at this point we haven't truly seen Batman as a detective in a movie up to this point now I can't say that definitively um, because I have well I can't say that definitively because I've not seen every single Batman movie out there but Batman is a detective he is not a superhero in the traditional sense of a super powered human right. doing good and fighting crime and fighting evil He is a detective. He is somebody who uses his intelligence and his resources to solve problems. Let's not be, let's not lie. And money. I I was, I was just filing that under resources. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but really he is. He's a detective. And especially in the delivery of this movie, to me it's something like, honestly, like science, which we will also do an episode of, um, where it, it tells one story within the lens of another story. You know, it, it, that movie tells the story of, of, of a man trying to find himself in his, in his family and his purpose within the story of an alien invasion. And that's what this movie does, is it tells a detective story, a well-done detective story, within the lens of a superhero movie. And so it's kind of telling two stories at once and, and just back on the Paul Dano character casting um, that really just like, like I said, final nail in the coffin of like, nope, this is a detective movie and it is a well done detective movie. And if you want, you can just watch it like it's a detective movie. Forget that this guy's Batman because it's a detective movie. So on on the heels of, you know, drawing all of these Zodiac-esque kind of connections, um, which you know specifically the movie Zodiac is is what I'm referencing. Um, um, I would drawn a lot of those parallels just watching the movie by myself. I'm going wow, this makes me think of, of Zodiac and or this makes me think of Zodiac or like especially the ciphers that pop up in the movie. They yes, they looked like Zodiac ciphers. ciphers. They lo- it makes me uh, think the looked... character.
1: You know, I it makes me think the Riddler was definitely inspired by
0: the Zodiac. So. I'm, you know, I'm making all these parallels, I'm like, oh man, that's really good, That re- that's like a real-life serial killer kind of parallel there, that's some real-world details, and I, in my research, I found out Matt Reeves was actually inspired by the Zodiac murders for his version of the Riddler character.
1: It shows, it makes sense. And
0: it it does. Here's the thing, it, it shows, but not in like a non-creative way, It it shows in... In the way, in, in a realistic kind of way, it it grounds the film because you've got this this fantastical superhero element. It takes real world details and it really grounds the film yeah. instead. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it.
1: Nothing is unbelievable.
0: Um, no, nothing is unbelievable in this movie. Like
1: I really, I know we talked about about. I really do enjoy that they made use of the dark web in a way, because it's like, it's something you don't hear about very often, but it's very much mm-hmm. out there, and it's very much a threat, and, you know, we don't, we don't, Yes, it's, it's almost taboo to talk about it, but everyone on the dark web. Right, I mean, you
0: do. say dark web, and it, it, it's almost like a scapegoat right. at this point for a lot of stuff, like, oh, it's on the dark web, like, yeah, but, but, it, but it, no, it I mean. it is,
1: all the terrible is. things of the world are on the dark web, they are there. Yes. You
0: can, I don't, there I don't is... even want to say
1: some of the things you can find on the dark web. Don't ever go just there. Like don't ever go to, don't the, ever dark go web.
0: to the dark web. I PSA don't know how, and don't, don't. I'm never gonna find out. Yes, PSA. Don't go to the dark web. We're gonna need something. i just. I can just see merchandise logos coming now. Mm. PSA. Don't go to the dark web.
1: <laughs> that is uh, gonna be our uh, first
0: piece of merch. Right. <laughs> but but I mean yeah, like I said, my my I I know it exists. My my dad used to work for Homeland Security and and had to unfortunately be on the dark web to track down people who were doing horrible things in real life. Mm -hmm. Just like there are terrible alleys that you shouldn't go down in big cities. There are corners of the internet that exist for bad things to happen. It is what it is. And uh, and it was just such a real element to bring into the movie because it just you see that and it made so much sense. And like, it also shows like you just you...
1: how dark that character was to sink so low as to be like, you know, what? let me find other vigilantes mm-hmm. like me on the internet who are totally down to bomb a city. Come on,
0: right, right. It's like you know where do you find those people? It's like the sewers of the internet, Literally, where rat, yes. like-minded rats go to meet each other. And it's like he's like the the Pied Piper of rats of the internet, really. And, uh, it, and it was, yeah, it was a very, like, skin-crawly real-world element to draw into that movie that I felt was was very, a very good writing choice. Because um, also, again, haven't really seen that before, and uh, really grounded in that realism also, um, was not expecting that. And it, and it didn't seem, it didn't seem contrived, either. It felt realistic, like, especially once you see what comes after, because as we mentioned, the unmasking of the Riddler was not the end of the movie. Right, um, it wasn't. It wasn't even really the climax of the movie. As a matter of fact, um, we were still in the rising action at that point, and and then you see when the actual climax of the movie is in in the attacking of the arena, um, mm-hmm. that 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 that's where all those characters came into play. The unmasking was not the climax, that was. All of the people that he had gathered on the dark web, that was supposed to be his coup de grace moment. Sorry, that was supposed to be his coup de grace moment. Um, And it it just, fantastic. Well done. Well done writing.
1: Well done writing. Well done, Paul Dano, the man of Walmart.
0: Yes. Um. (laughs) Paul Dano, Walmart associate.
1: Well, I want to ask you... And I think this will lead yes, into okay. our discussion of makeup. Zoe Kravitz. Oh, okay. Zoe Kravitz, for me, is... I don't know ever what to expect from her from a film because I feel like she's someone... I, I can never go into a film and be like, yes, Zoe Kravitz will be exactly this way. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like she's she very much deserves the accolades she has gotten in the past decade or so, mm-hmm. however long she's been acting. I feel like I've seen her in a lot more stuff, especially in the past five years. But I think when I saw yeah. her as... The cat or uh, Catwoman, I was like, I don't know what to think. She's definitely someone. She's someone I have to watch, and see what she brings to the character before I can, because I feel like she has a very distinct personality. But then she plays a character, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. I enjoyed that.
0: Yes. Um. So on my, I don't have an opinion on Zoe Kravitz. She's just I. I'm, she's just I'm Zoe Kravitz. Yes, I am, I'm always very satisfied with her portrayal mm-hmm. of, of a character, mm-hmm. um, is the best way that I can put it. And, and I'm very what I think rarely happens, disappointed. Right. And what I think happens with Zoe Kravitz as an actress is she is um, she is a very... What's the word I want to look for? What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, she is very much a clean slate. Of an actress where she has this baseline that she brings to a character. This very calm, flat baseline where she can kind of just... just, It's not that she puts her own personality into a character. It's that all of the personality of the character kind of falls onto her. Yeah. And, And she is more like a... She's more like a conduit for the character personality than Ooh, she is like putting her own spin on a, a portrayal of a particular character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that's I don't think I can really think of another actor off the top of my head cuz she doesn't she doesn't have the same quiet intensity that Jeffrey Wright does, but what she is is like the perfect blank canvas for a character. Where you could have, you could put her in anything and, and, I mean, I want to say, yeah, you could put her in anything and and the character would kind of just settle nicely right on top of her little acting shoulders. She (laughs) is the best way that I can put it. She is a conduit for a character.
1: She and Janelle Monae kind of, I would put in that same category as, like you said, a conduit.
0: Yes. Okay, I'm looking up Janelle Monae as as we're speaking, and I completely agree with you. She very much is that same perfect blank canvas, like Zoe Kravitz, where the the character itself just settles nicely down onto her, and she just kind of she kind of just floods it with her acting ability. Wait until you see
1: Glass Onion. You're gonna be impressed.
0: It's on my list. I've got like a huge list of movies that I need to watch, and I do that thing where I have this list, and then when I want to watch a movie, I just go watch something comforting and familiar, and I never watch anything new. Like Sherlock, my comfort show. (laughs) Oh, I love Sherlock. That that show gets quoted at least once a day in my household. Um,
1: I wish I could say the same. Mine's usually like Shrek.
0: Shrek. There was there was a complete side comment. There was a meme about that. It was like name what, or like what's one quote from Shrek that gets said on a daily basis from here Not the in your household? Buddy. <laughs> today, today it was in the morning. I'm making waffles.
1: Oh my god, that one is because my- that's a nice boulder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See my brother, I woke up and my brother was making waffles for breakfast and it just came out because it does because it's Shrek. So, so quotable. So such a quotable movie has some iconic quotes in that movie. Um so we're talking about oh, I said so again. I said I'm so God bless America. Um we're talking about Zoe Kravitz and to a perfect segue from Zoe Kravitz's character in this movie and her portrayal of Catwoman, um, but do I want to segue just yet? Do we want to continue talking about Zoe Kravitz as Cat? We wouldn't really talk about her portrayal yet, so let's talk about her portrayal of Catwoman. <clears throat> um, so the the first two people, like really off the top of my head, um, that I think of as far as Catwoman would be Anne Hathaway's rendition of Catwoman, and then obviously the the ultimate like original icon as far as far as I'm I'm concerned, or my generation is concerned is Halle Berry. See,
1: oddly enough, I was gonna say Eartha Kitt. I believe, was Batwoman at one t- or Catwoman, not Patwoman.
0: Batwoman. Batwoman. Wait a time. minute.
1: <laughs> and um, okay,
0: hold on. Let me let me look this up real fast. So, see, but that's kind of before. Hold on, Eartha Kitt. Catwoman. But, I, mean, that's I mean, I think kind Kitt of before was our generation. Yeah, that
1: was TV. But she was like, I I don't know why she comes in my head a lot. Her and um. Oh man. Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is the first Catwoman I think of.
0: Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, that's right.
1: Those are the two that I... well, I guess those are the three that come to my head the most as Catwoman is um Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer and Eartha Kitt.
0: I forgot Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman cuz I never I never saw her For as me, Catwoman. For me like I the feel Catwoman like Michelle Pfeiffer saw I mean she is iconic. She's I've like definitely the most seen iconic. those images. Um, for me, I the first catwoman I saw was Halle Berry. Yeah. Um I didn't see the whole movie because when it came out, it was totally inappropriate for young me to watch because her outfit- hold on, I gotta look up her outfit while we're talking about it. Uh, yes, her Catwoman costume is the most unrealistic, hypersexualized yep. costume I have seen in a long time in a movie. Poor
1: Halle Berry deserves so much better than she got in that film. It just was-
0: I know. Uh, it's Halle Berry! How do you do that to Halle Berry, man? I mean, it, here's the thing, it was what, it, yeah, it was 2004 when that movie came out and we had not grown up yet as a society when it comes to women's portrayal of characters right. and they were very often hypersexualized uh Going into the early 2000s, it wasn't until I think we started to hit 2010 was like, when we really started we to graduate from turn, that kind of ideology.
1: Right. Like Marvel, like Marvel and the Dark Knight trilogy, really, I feel like turned it around for women mm-hmm. in film or women as superheroes yes. in films or women in film in general. Yes. I feel like um, ugh, I just feel like that was a big turnaround to see like strong female characters. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Sexuality can yes. be used as a tool and it is used by no, Natasha and Romanoff and as a tool. And it is a great tool.
0: Yes, she does have a great tool. I mean, the the character, just the the stere not the stereotype, but like the the concept of a black widow character, the the femme fatale mm-hmm. exists for a reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a how do I put this? There is a, a weaponized version of of the feminine sexuality that can uh, can be used to great effect against oh, yeah. other people, and when it when it is used correctly and effectively it is awesome yes like i have no problem with people using their femininity as a weapon it is awesome it's great (laughs) it's wonderful it is fantastic. I love it. I don't love when it gets used as a stereotype to sexualize a character.
1: Yes, which also um, still I like happens it when too it often, is, unfortunately.
0: Which happens too often, but significantly less often. Significantly less often, like I said, now that we've kind of graduated and grown up a little bit as a society.
1: Yes, I like it. It's was like you said, you know, it's used more often now as a tool and I like that.
0: Mhm. Yes, I do too. I I love because because yes, I mean, I, as a woman, I can I can appreciatively say that sexuality can be used as an effective weapon for a character. And I'm like, yeah, like I want to be like, if you got it, flaunt it. But like, really though, (laughs) like if you can, if you have a tool in your arsenal that is a a great distraction technique and, and is, is you, you know, is a weakness for the person that you are using it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. (laughs)
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and so yes, yeah, so since since the my like the first Catwoman that I saw of Halle Berry, uh, we have definitely graduated from that hypersexualized Catwoman, and then you see Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, who is definitely I would I would put her in the box of um, seductive more than I would sexualized, but she was definitely a seductive Catwoman, the seductive and mysterious kind of Catwoman, because they they went the opposite direction, because I think the Correct me if I'm wrong, I think Halle Berry's Catwoman was the first one that we had seen directly prior to Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. Correct? There was no Catwoman between Halle Berry and then Anne Hathaway?
1: I don't believe so. I'd have to ask my DC loving brother <clears throat> if that is true. I mean, outside of, like, animated series, I believe so. I think as far as... L- I right. believe live action. live action goes, yes, there's no one in- between Anne Hathaway and Halle Berry.
0: Right, so then... Okay, so if if that's if that's true and I'm gonna you know continue my train of thought as if it is. So if I'm wrong, we can I'll Fix it in post. <laughs> we
1: can't fix I, I everything kid. in post. Stop that.
0: We can't fix it in post. Um, I kid, but it, it, I'm going to continue my train of thought as if that is the case. That we go from Halle Berry's portrayal of Catwoman to Anne Hathaway's portrayal of Catwoman. And then in the costuming department, especially, we went the complete opposite direction as far as costuming goes for her Catwoman ensemble, where it is just a black cat suit. Um, and I mean, it is it is gorgeous. It is form fitting. Um, it is flattering, but it is conservative yes. because it makes sense for someone who is doing burglary to be fully closed.
1: Yes. I think <laughs> what I also really liked about her suit was I feel like in all the cat suits we've gotten before, they looked like that person wouldn't have made them. They looked like they were absolutely mm. costumed.
0: Where I feel like Now you're talking about Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman at this point? Yes.
1: I feel like her or, okay. her suit looked like something she could've reasonably made.
0: Yes. Yes, I completely agree. I I very much liked um Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman costume because yes, again, talking about that element of realism, mm-hmm. um, Hers looked like something that she would have cobbled together over, you know, a period of however long she's been catwoman. Right. I'm assuming not that long because um, it's not exactly a, a mantle that she puts on. It's it's more of an ideology that she has and, and acts upon. Um, but, yeah, just from a couple of years of doing that kind of stuff that looks like something that she has cobbled together. It's, you know, it's essentially like a pair of leather pants and some, some boots that make sense and a leather jacket and a cute ski mask. <laughs> right, right.
1: Like, again, because if you think about, like, Evening and Hathways, I'm like, I mean, sh- there's no, I'm sorry, there's no way she made that. There's no way Michelle Pfeiffer made hers. No. There's no way. To me, it makes, no. Zoe Kravitz's costume makes sense. It's like, it's, it's no different than yes. just saying, you know, the Batman suit in this film made sense. A man who's a millionaire can do all that. Including his Batmobile. That's exactly you know what, what I, I was mean? thinking. Like, but you I mean, have Zoe Crafts' yes. this character who's living in this trash, trashy apartment. I'm sorry, it's trashy. We saw it.
0: It is. No, it it is it is very, very low rent. Right. Someone yes, who's living that's what she can afford. She's a burglar mm-hmm. for a living and a bartender. Someone
1: living in a slum-like apartment like that, they're not going to be able to <laughs> afford mm-hmm. expensive tech to make their suits with. They're going to utilize what they can. Correct. And that's exactly what she does throughout the mm-hmm. film. She utilizes what she has to do what she needs to do.
0: Yes. And I mean, as far as that character portrayal goes, her apartment actually makes sense for her. It's probably something where rent is paid in cash because her as a character and her identity, she's obviously going to be wanting to stay under the radar because she is a cat burglar. Um, She is living outside the law for the most part. So she wants something that's going to be on the untraceable side. And that definitely fits that whole vibe. Plus, she lives somewhere on the ground floor where cats can just wander in.
1: (laughs) Does she? I thought she was in a higher floor.
0: Nope, I believe she is on the ground floor of the apartment because they get back and her door is standing wide open and some of the cats are out on the street, I believe. Hold on, I'm going to Google this to make sure that I am correct. From the limited Google imagery that I can pull up at the moment, it does look like it's actually on the ground floor.
1: Not significantly Um, important to the discussion,
0: but... Not super important, but it was one of those things, like, I want to know. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know where we were going with that. Okay, so...
1: Why it's easy. All these things. burglary.
0: <laughs> yes. Why it's easy. But no, talking about her costume and having that make sense, her, her costume does definitely ground her character in reality because no, she is not a millionaire and does not have the resources to make this big tactical cat suit like Anna Hathaway. I mean Anna Hathaway wasn't tactical, but she did have that awesome right. motorcycle. We don't and know her background her in that gobbles. film though. I feel, I feel like we
1: don't really know Selena Kyle's back or background in The Dark Knight Rises as well, but Mm -mm. i'd have to i'd have to go back if i
0: had if i had to make an educated guess about her version of her character um i would say because her character's been around a little bit longer at that point versus the Catwoman that Mm -hmm. we have who's probably been doing her thing for about as long as batman has so only a couple of years um my my big guess for anne hathaway's catwoman would be she's been doing the catwoman thing a little bit longer and has time has had time to accumulate some cash assets right. to i mean that's exactly why she's in that she, she that's
1: exactly why she's in um bruce wayne's mansion and oh film. yeah she's trying to steal and he catches her yep Ka- she's stealing kinda. from, him. Yeah, she she's stealing from
0: the richest guy in town um also, no but, one, yeah, no one so, trash
1: us in these comments for not remembering or knowing because I haven't watched that movie in. I'm so years. sorry.
0: I know. I'm sure I'm gonna get details wrong. <laughs> my Please brother Aaron tell me in the comments. My brother Aaron, <laughs> when he
1: hears this, he's gonna be shaking his head. He's like, "No, Shree, that's not how that happened." Because he's gonna know every second of all these films. He's gonna know every oh, moment of my, these DC films. Also,
0: my brother is not allowed to listen to this because he will just be contradicting me the whole time. It's that that loving sibling relationship of like, "No, you're wrong" and a moron. <laughs> well, he listen. He can listen is and what give my us, brother will be saying give to us me
1: all the audio listens and we'll we'll just rank in the money someday it'll be worth it no <laughs> we'll just
0: rank in the money someday that's that's the important thing here. anyhow um anyhow okay so uh <laughs> <I'm> ma'am <sorry. laughs>
1: the blooper is gonna be okay i, and don't, so, um...
0: <laughs> I don't i don't i've yet to acquire an arsenal of segue and and it's our first podcast it's fine okay i will be forgiving oh okay um sorry continue the amount of effort i just had to exert to not say so after my um uh so we finished talking about just i just love me just love love me so much just love me (laughs) this is me just accept me for who i am zoe kravitz back to her Back to the crowds, we've, we, I, feel, I feel like we've talked about as much as we can for our part one here. Um, we're going to, you want me to give us like a little outro? You can
1: give us an outro, why don't you?
0: Well, for now, I'll just do a quick wrap up. Um, so in this episode, uh, so in this part one of talking about the Batman, um, we did talk about how, uh, admittedly, we did not take this movie seriously at first, Um we very skeptical. However, going in, we were very much impressed by the casting and overall tone of this movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely had our expectations subverted in a very pleasant way um, and learned that this is not really a superhero movie. This is, in fact, a detective movie told in a superhero context. Right. Um, and we're pleasantly surprised. And I'm now a huge fangirl of this movie. And I don't care that it's three hours long. I could watch it over and over Just again. Just like and this I podcast is going to be three hours times. long. Exactly.
1: (laughs) If anyone cares to know. Never
0: ask, never ask someone with ADHD to trim it down. It's not going to happen. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if I'm looking at mine right now, we're sitting at one hour, 26 minutes, and 20 seconds for just part one. Obviously, it won't be that long where I'm going to trim it down, but...
0: No, I could I could probably clock this in around 45 minutes to an hour for part right. one, which I think is a reasonable but amount of so time. Too. You can listen to this on the way to work and on the way back from work. Yeah, you can listen to it in the shower while you're taking a dump,
1: doing the dishes, you know
0: all those things yeah, as well please this can this can be your taking a dump podcast like you will not hurt you'll my be feelings. sitting on Absolutely. the toilet Listen for 45 to minutes whatever you'll be taking a dump for 45 <laughs>
1: minutes i hope you are listening to this while doing please that. i
0: will gladly be responsible for people's butt and feet falling asleep from sitting on the toilet listening to cinematic pulse That's your I'm okay significant that. other will be wondering what are they doing in there <laughs> <laughs> finally you too will take up just as much time as your boyfriend on the toilet <laughs> But next
1: time, I think we're going to be talking more about some production things like makeup and sound design, lighting. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very, very excited to talk about those things, Audrey.
0: Yes. Oh, it is going to be it is going to be me picking your intelligent brain about the production side of the Batman on part two of Cinematic Pulse podcast on the Batman. I'm your host, Sheree, And I am your co-host, Audrey. And we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Roll credits.